Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 111 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley. It's our first show of 2014. And to celebrate that fact, look who I've got with me. Sadly, not rocking the Beppe Sonino uh, suit and Puma Kings look. David Cameron Walker <laughs> is here. Although I wish I was. And sadly, not rocking the Martin Allen cardigan is Jim Knight. I'm which, definitely glad I'm not rocking that. Which is that a real shame. Or the spider. Monstrosity. Uh, Happy New Year, boys. Uh, we've not done this for a while. I want to start with a, a bit of an accumulator chat. Because, Jim, you are the uh, chief betting editor at Perform. So I want to know, what is the most amount of money you have ever won on one accumulator? Um, and be honest. I think it's in the region of like four or five hundred quid. And is that before or after you became a professional? Betting <laughs> professional, uh, not professional in any sense of the word in application People or, know that. or occupation. People know that in the list. Um, so for four or five hundred DC? I think it'd be about 120 at most. Okay, well you know I said on the show towards the end of last year... Are you year, rich? Are you going to tell us it's yeah, it thousands not, or something? Not so, thousands... But you know, I said I never won an accumulator, and you were shocked by it. I saw your tweet yeah. on New Year's Day. New Year's well, Day, it? first day of the year, oh, I this. first day of 2014. Five teams to win: Arsenal against Cardiff, yep. Burnley against Huddersfield, yep. Brentford against uh, Tesmi. MK Dons was it? It's no, Peterborough outside the box here, aren't you? Uh, no, it's Peterborough, Peterborough, wasn't it? Peterborough. Yeah. I was on that. Bury away at Hartlepool, three mm-hmm. nil. Good. Dagenham at home to AFC Wimbledon, ten men. <laughs> 150 quid Well done mate So I'm off and running that and I thought you mean to go on. I thought I'd mention yeah. that because I, I saw your your tweet of the weekend about uh, you being denied by Patrick Bamford, your lookalike. My nemesis, he hates you. my alter ego. So he scored the uh, the equaliser. So the more pictures I see of him, like the more like. <laughs> scared, Is he actually you? Well, I mean, there are some photos that well, the actual like photo. If you took like his team photo from MK uh, from Chelsea or wherever, it probably doesn't look that much like similar but like some of the photos where he's in action yeah. literally could be is me modelling the only difference on the only difference being the quality of footballer that, it, that he well, is to you he's okay. going on loan to Derby as well isn't he so he could he be uh, up in the Midlands if you're ever in Nottingham pop we'll, over to we'll, we'll, t- we'll touch on that later um, before we get on with the show uh, a quick reminder to head over to audible.co.uk slash going up if you'd like a free one month trial and a free audiobook of your choosing all thanks to Audible you can cancel before the end of the, uh, the, the first month if you wish and it'd be great if as many of the people listening to this are right now could take advantage of that offer because as you can tell from the fact we plug it every week basically if you do it it helps us to continue to do the show as we do at the moment plus you get a free audiobook jobs are good so head to audible.co.uk slash going up right on the show this week we'll talk a little bit about Ian Holloway's arrival at Millwall uh, plus Chris Hargreaves replacing Alan Neal at Torquay we'll also talk about the FA Cup third round where League One strugglers Stevenage surprised everyone 
um, including the bookies, I'd imagine, with a 3-2 win at the chemo against Doncaster. Graham Wesley will now meet uh, Roberto Martinez in a, a little bit of a clash of styles in the fourth round at the Lamex. We'll speak to Alan Scott later, who is uh, the sports reporter, the Stevenage advertiser, um, who will uh, tell us a little bit more about a turbulent 12 months for the Borough, in which the club were statistically the worst performing team in England. Uh, but first... Let's start in the northwest at Spotland. My favourite topic, Rochdale. Uh, one of the biggest FA Cup stories of the weekend uh, took place there on Saturday when they knocked Leeds out of the FA Cup 2-0. Scott Hogan and an absolutely magnificent chip by Ian Henderson for the second goal. And I've seen some Leeds fans say uh, on Twitter that their side were given a masterclass in attacking passing football by a League Two side. And uh, Brian McDermott afterwards called it one of his lowest moments in the game. To tell us more about it and discuss a potential promotion push for Dale in the second half of the season let's speak to a man who covers them week in and week out for the Rochdale Observer and the Manchester Evening News it's Richard Partington who I'm pleased to say is on the line right now Rich thank you very much for coming on the show first of all where does that rank amongst the great Rochdale performances you've seen in your time covering the club certainly put it top five Uh, I think even Keith Hill suggested after the game that uh, there was a memorable 2-0 win away at Southampton in the first year that they'd been promoted to League One which, which stands out as a, as a cracking performance. But certainly Saturday w- was right up there. Um, as the Leeds fans alluded to, that, that some of the passing football was, was fantastic. 2-0 didn't really do, do justice to the, um, to the performance. And I think anyone who's, who's seen the, the brief highlights, Leeds had a couple of chances, don't get me wrong, a couple of headers cleared off the line. And Ross McCormack, who was very quiet on the day, had, had one shot, just whistled past the post. But... Um, you know, even then, when you look at the, the amount of chances Rochdale had, four or five goals would, would not have flattered them on the day. They were they were superb. It it really did click into place. It, it was something of a little surprise because the, the team selection was was probably a bit of a shock to to most supporters turning up on the day. Keitha was forced to to make one significant change in that. Uh, Michael Rose, who's the regular left back, was was suspended. Um, so Matty Dome filled in there, who's more known more as, a, as an attacking midfielder. Um, and Joe Bunny, who, who is not featured at all regularly, he started started up front. But it just all slotted into place. And the one thing you do know with the Keith Hill side is the players will all know the jobs, they'll all know what they're doing, they'll be very familiar with the system, very comfortable playing the role that they've been asked to play. And yeah, it, it, it looked a typical positive Keith Hill performance. And the second goal in particular, fantastic volley from Ian Henderson. Uh, he's a player that we've uh, we've talked to Rochdale fans on this on this show before about him mm-hmm. and they've waxed lyrical about what he can do when he's on form and it was a fantastic goal. Ian Henderson has looked like a player performing below his ability level all season for me. It's, it's great credit to Keith Hill that he's, uh, he's managed to... to, to secure him uh, on a contract at Scotland because he's just looked a cut above all season um, even when the team hasn't played well and, and even even at times when he's not been on top form he's still giving something that dare I say 9 out of 10 uh, League 2 players just don't have in the locker he, he's got great ability but he's also one of the hardest working footballers you're likely to see at that level I mean, that goal was just sublime, wasn't it, on Saturday? He's been, he's been my player of the season, and I'm sure a, a lot of the supporters would, would, would 
back that up. What did the commentator say, Jim? You, you were just saying about that about that goal uh, on the ITV highlights that I saw. Um, as the cross comes over and he's just about to to, to kind of place it into the, to the far corner, the commentator utters the the words that time stands still because of the way the ball loops back over the goalkeeper and into the corner, and the defenders are just standing there, kind of helpless, which I thought was quite apt at the time. Very looked, measured finish, yeah. wasn't it? And um, I was saying to the lads off air. Uh, Rich, that um, a couple of people I follow on Twitter who are big Dale fans were saying that Ian Henderson is the best player in League Two and they're just uh, very happy that they've got him. Yeah, I mean, his missus came up north because um, he, he was at Colchester, obviously, before coming to Rochdale and then his missus moved up north to take a job at Manchester United. So he's, he's, he's come up, he's been looking to uh, to lay roots in the north, uh, you know, because it suited the family to come up this way. But let's face it, there's no shortage of clubs in the northwest. <laughs> you know, you, you look at a club like Oldham in League One, uh, even Bolton in the Championship, dare I say, Ian Henderson would have certainly been worth a punt for clubs like that because his performance levels are they're just outstanding, they really are. So Keith Hill's come back in, um, second spell in charge at Rochdale, and we've spoken briefly about Ian Henderson and the type of players that he's been able to bring in and, and retain. And you, you spoke briefly earlier about the style of play as well. Is that the main change since Keith Hill back, came back in? The style of football that you're now playing is it a lot more attractive and obviously is, is getting good results as well. Yeah, it's a lot more attractive. I think, I mean, Keith Hill and, and Dave Flickcroft had been around for, what, four and a half years. They'd taken Rochdale to the first Wembley appearance. They'd secured the first promotion in in like four decades and I think come the end of that four and a half year perhaps there was a little bit of familiarity creeping in possibly on both sides on both you know from from the management and, and from supporters and perhaps they were taking each other for granted in in some ways I think since Keith come back and in the time that he was away uh, let me say diplomatically that the, the, the style was less <laughs> than attractive um, I think since he's come back and, and, and he's reintroduced the uh, attractive style, I think on, on all sides, everyone's appreciating it so much more. It's just terrific to watch. And anyone who was taking it for granted, perhaps first time round, won't do now because we've seen what happened when Keith Hill left. And he is a special manager, it has to be said. People often say, don't go back. And this is proof that perhaps sometimes <laughs> it is a good idea to go back. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's not given over to making knee-jerk reactions. He's, he's a very, he's a clever man. He's, a, he's very astute. I, I think he would have taken that into consideration. And I know he's, he's told me that the, there was one or two of his, of his friends who perhaps offered him that advice, you know, never go back. But I think he, he knew himself that if he came back to Rochdale, he would be given the time. I think that's what he cherishes. He, he wants the time to develop a team and, and to develop a club. Now, at Barnsley, he found a hell of a lot more politics to deal with than, it, than he did at Rochdale. Here, he's trusted and he's, he's I wouldn't say given carte blanche, but he's, he's given a, a lot of responsibility and it's responsibility that he thrives on, really. And yeah, they, they certainly look on the road to success. When you bear in mind that this squad, of course, has pretty much only been together for six months. And the next round of the Cup, after beating Leeds, have uh, been rewarded with a, a potential tie against either Sheffield Wednesday or, or Macclesfield following the replay. So, I mean, either of those teams will, you know, there'll be very different levels of opposition, but both games will have something to look forward to for the Rochdale fans. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, it's not a draw against Arsenal away, you know, so it's not exciting in that respect. But it's, it's a tie that 
will give them a realistic opportunity of 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 progressing to uh, to the next round of the competition. No one will take it for granted that they're through. Um, certainly, Keith Hill and the team won't. But it is an it is an opportunity. Um, and what more can you ask? It. So yeah, I, I think there'll be a lot of excitement come uh, come January the twenty fifth. So, given that, that, that whoever they face in the next round, that you'd say it's a potentially a winnable game. Yeah. So, if this cup run goes on, obviously that'll be a good thing for the club financially. But with a League Two promotion race being as tight as it is, and you've already alluded to the fact that the squad isn't very big, you had to play players out of position against Leeds. Is that you know is that going to impact at all on the promotion race? Do you think? I think you can you can argue that either way, can you? You can, you can say that success breeds success, and I think if if the cup run continues, everybody's on a high, spirits are high, and I would I would think that the the confidence boost and the, the you know the, just the, the general feel good factor around the place would carry over into league form as well. So yeah, I, I see what you mean about the the uh, the squad numbers. And talking to Keith over the uh, the Christmas period, he, he was suggesting that he didn't really feel the need to dip into the market. But perhaps given the fact that they've they've got this potential cup run, maybe we'll have a look at uh, bringing a couple more bodies in just to uh, just to help Cole. I wanted to ask about Scott Hogan briefly because he scored the first goal obviously on Saturday and he's got 12 this season so he is going quite well considering we're you know only just into the new year. Um, I was having a look at his, his kind of history earlier and he has had quite a few clubs for a 21-year-old. He was at Dale under Keith Hill, wasn't he? He came through the youth yeah. system there, got released without making a first-team appearance and then he's been to teams like Halifax, Stocksbridge, Ashton United and Hyde and then back to Dale. Is that something that Keith Hill's spoken about in terms of him needing to mature, like go out and then bringing him back to Dale and obviously it's it's reaped rewards because he's uh, he's scoring plenty of goals for you at the moment. Well, when he when he left Dale, he left. Um, he, he served his apprenticeship. He didn't. Um, he wasn't handed a, a professional contract, so he was gone. He's drifted around non-league because there's no question in his ability. But it was his application really that was that was perhaps missing. Keith Hill suggested himself that the last time Scott was at the club, he, he was looking for adventure with his friends as much as uh, <laughs> as committing to playing football. I think Scott has, has, um, has seen himself that if he really wants to be serious about making it, he can't solely rely on the, the natural talent he's got. He's got to apply himself. And he's, he's come back and done that. And, you know, he, he looked a real player. He looked a, a player who, who, like Ian Henderson... Can, can play at a higher level. I mean, there was talk of him moving to Birmingham in the summer because he'd, he'd knuckled down and decided, yeah, I want to give this a serious go. And I think the fact that he went back to Rochdale was down largely to the fact Keith Hill was back at Rochdale and he wanted to work with him because he has an excellent track record in developing these young players. We've talked, obviously, about the Cup and that, and that great result on Saturday. Let's have a look at yep. the league then, uh, because, as uh, DC mentioned, it is ridiculously tight at the top. You've got Scunthorpe on 44, then Burton 42, Chesterfield 41, Southend 41, Rochdale 40, Oxford and Fleet were both on 38. They were top of the league a few weeks ago. Yep. Uh, do you think this is going to go right down to the wire, and, and do you think this squad is good enough to get automatically promoted from this division? I, I think they are good enough. And I'm loath to say that because I know Keith wants to keep them under the radar for as long as possible. He doesn't want heightened expectancy. And he's quite right to try and avoid that because they have only been together for six months. Really, this this is a squad that is, is learning the ropes together. And, you know, to be where they are now is, 
you know, they've exceeded expectations. So to talk about them as an automatic promotion candidate seems to be jumping the gun a bit. But having said that, having watched them, they, they, they have got it. One significant difference from the last time Keith Hill was in charge at Scotland is this time there's no David Flitcroft alongside mm. him. He is, uh, of all places, now manager of, of Bury. Um, yes. So, I mean, how do you do you think that, that Keith Hill has changed at all by not having Flitcroft uh, alongside him at all? Has that had any impact? I think he's changed in that he he learned a, a few lessons while he was away from Rochdale. You know, experience has taught him one or two things. Flicker was 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 worked superbly for him in in terms of bouncing off each other. But I think Keith likes to reinvent himself and 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 reinvent teams and and philosophies and. He doesn't like players to be in a comfort zone, and I don't think he likes himself to be in a comfort zone. So I think the fact that Flicker was taken away from him, or he was taken away from Flicker, as, as the case was at Barnsley, kind of forced him out of that comfort zone, and I think he's enjoyed that challenge, to be honest. I mean, him and Dave Flickroff are still great mates. He was well, he was there, wasn't he, on Saturday? on Saturday? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I had a, had a drink with, with Keith in, in, in his office after the game, and was, was pleased as punch for his, for his mate. You know, that's how, that's how close they are. But no, I, I think Keith has, has, has risen to the challenge, really, of, of being without Dave Flickcroft. Maybe, I mean, I don't think he'd ever admit that, but um, perhaps he's seen it as a chance to, to prove that it wasn't Dave who, who was pulling the strings, as some people uh, had alluded to. You know, he, he's a great manager in, in his own right. And in fairness, Chris Beach, who's, who's he's number two now at Rochdale, he, he's done a terrific job as well. He, you know, he's very much an unsung hero, but um, he, he deserves credit too. And uh, do you know what's happening on Saturday, the eighth of March, Rich? Saturday, the eighth of March. Oh, that'll be the uh, that'll be the, the Derby. It clash, is the Derby it? clash. It's going to yeah. be Hill against Flitcroft. The Hill against Flitcroft. That's a strange one, isn't it? Given you know, given the fact that the supporters, there's no love lost really between Rochdale and Bury supporters, and yet you know the the, the two managers there. They could sit on the same bench, really, and then I don't think there'd be a crossword between them. And do you think by the time you come around to that game, or and, and in, even sooner indeed, that uh, Rochdale will have any uh, new players, given the transfer window is open now and that the loan window will continue to be open after the after the transfer window shuts? Would the cup run perhaps give Keith Hill a little bit of a budget to strengthen in certain areas? Yeah, well, I, I mean, Rochdale's budget is, is nowhere near one of the, the highest in the division, and yet... I know for a fact that Keith is, is, is coming in under budget um, in terms of in terms of wages at the club. So I think there is a little bit of flexibility there. There is there is money to be uh, to be utilised. Uh, not a lot because you know that's that's the nature of the club. Where do you think but, the priority um, would be positionally? Who you know what would he look to bring in first? I think he's okay central midfield uh, if he keeps hold of, of Gary Dicker, who's here here until January, uh, end of January. Uh, if he decides to stay on midfield-wise, I think they're OK. I think he may look up front because Graham Cummins has filled in for uh, George Donnelly, who's been out injured for a while. Uh, and it did leave Rochdale uh, a little bit light up front when, when Donnelly was injured. So, yeah, he, you know, I mean, I'm saying that. Joe Bunny came in and did a great job on Saturday. But I think maybe an experienced head up front might tempt him and possibly, uh, possibly someone at left-back as cover for, for Michael Rose. Because um, as well as Matt Doan uh, played on Saturday, I think he'll want to use him further up the field. So yeah, left back uh, and, a, and a front man, I would suggest. Nice to talk to you, Richard. Thanks very and much you. for coming on. 
Bring Thanks on, very much. Bring on the derby. Come on, Barry. Uh, that is uh, Richard Partington, who's the Rochdale reporter for both the Rochdale Observer and the Manchester Evening News. And next, we're going to turn our attention to the side bottom of League One, who also produced a big cup upset this weekend. Doncaster 2, Stevenage 3 then, undoubtedly one of the results of the third round achieved by a side who are bottom of League One with only one league win from their last nine games. And in fact, according to some research, which you might have seen this week by Sporting Intelligence, of all the teams playing in the main four divisions of English football in 2013, so that's 94 clubs in total, Stevenage were the worst. The worst record, just 0.78 points per game, 46 games played, 10 wins, 6 draws and 30 defeats last year. So can this win and that fourth round tie with Everton be the catalyst for Graham Wesley to correct that league form? Let's find out. Let's speak to uh, Alan Scott, who is a sports reporter at the Stevenage Advertiser and the Hertfordshire Mercury, and he follows uh, Stevenage every week. Alan, first of all, thank you very much for coming on the show. How impressed were you by that performance and the result on Saturday? Yes, it was a very good performance. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, it was very close at half-time. There wasn't a lot in it in the first half, but... Second half, they came out and um, they really gave it everything and uh, scored some very good goals. You know, they've, they've got some players there that can can be quite clinical in front of goals. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, it's going to be onwards and upwards now. Really, do you? I mean, do you think that that will be the case? Like, because they are been they have been struggling dreadfully, not just this season but this whole year, as Mark just said at the start there. And you know, can this give them confidence to kick on? Because there's certainly this form in the league hasn't been anywhere to be seen. Yeah, well, basically, um, Graham Wesley came back in, in about February, March time, and uh, he brought in a, 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 quite a few new players in the summer. So it's a, it's a lot of changes in the in the team, and then it was a, it's an indifferent start to the season, quite poor, but um, a lot of new players, as I say, gelling together. And then they went on a bit of a run, and then and it's been like a bit up and down really. But um, and they've had some good results, you know. I mean, they won won away at Peterborough, so uh, not many teams are going to do that. They've They've uh, beaten Leighton Orient this season, and they, even at home they, they only lost narrowly. But it's been the last sort of six weeks they've had a bad run in the league. But yeah, hopefully, uh, and they've had injuries, big injuries there to key players during that time and suspensions, which haven't helped. But hopefully, yeah, now they've got they've got a player called Darius Charles come back mm. from injury now. So hopefully he's he's going to have a good run and, and be if they can keep hold of uh, Francois Zoko, who's out of contract at the end of this month, then. Um, they should do should do a lot better than uh, than what they've previously done. Yeah. And another player that they'll be looking to uh, keep hold of is is Luke Freeman, who whenever I've watched Stevenage in the past, he's always been for me your best player. Uh, and the club have admitted that they are prepared to listen to offers for him. Yeah, I th- I think because there's been so many new players come in, there's been a, a an, an imbalance in the books. So uh, and I think they the, the manager had hoped to get rid of a few players, but it hasn't happened. So he's put a few players out on loan, Marcus Haber and Danny Lopez, players like that. But they haven't been able to get any funds from them. But um, so I suppose it was looking ominous, ominous really, that perhaps um, someone, you know, they'd have to sell a big player, one of their jewels, and uh, and you know, just to balance the books, really. But um, if if they can hang on to him and maybe offload some of the other players, then that, that, that that's what he'd like to do, I think. But. I, th- I suppose he's just, you know, he's, at the end of the day, the chairman said, "I've really got to balance the books here. You know, we're not ge- we're not getting as many fans in as we need to. So they're getting about three thousand, but he's he was hoping to get towards four thousand this season, but because they're struggling in the league, obviously um, they've not been able to 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 build on that and uh, 
get more people through the through the gates, really. You mentioned uh, Francois Zoko a minute ago. Um, if Steven is to stay up, how important is he going to be? He's got 10 goals already this season. I think it was the start of this season or was it the start of last season I tipped him to be League 2 top scorer and I was given a load of stick for it. Um, but he has been scoring goals this season. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. I, I think, um, you know, if they can keep hold of him till the end of the season, that would be absolutely brilliant. And perhaps that's what they're thinking in terms of maybe selling Freeman because they want to give Zoko a deal that will keep him there until till May because he's, he's, he's got so much power, he's, he's, he's so much presence up front and, and you, you feel that when he's got that chance, he will stick it in, you know. So uh, he's, he's a brilliant finisher and I, and I am surprised really that he, he hasn't been picked up by some of the bigger clubs in League One. But um, it's good news for Stevenage. They can hang on to him. So if John Everton in the next round, that's obviously a, a big tie and a, a, one of the going to be one of the most publicised ties out of the fourth round as well. Um, d- do you think Stevenage have got a hope of winning the game? I, I was looking at your results from the season earlier, and the, you know there are notable wins. You, you beat Brentford uh, already this season. You beat Peterborough as well. So is it a case of managing to get these players up for the big games and uh, hopefully they, they deliver a performance against Everton that's kind of worthy of that? Well, I was up at Everton earlier in the season. Stevenage played them in the Capital One Cup, and that went to extra time. And at the time, Stevenage weren't playing particularly well. You know, a lot, as I said, a lot of new players come in, but they really, they really held their own against Everton. Really played well, and it was only very late on in extra time that Everton got the winner. Now, Roberto Martinez is going for for the Champions League spots this season. You know, the FA Cup will it will he name a, a, his strongest side? Possibly not. You know, you never know. Stevenage are at home. It's the cup. They're not going to. I think the players are not going to like coming down to the Lamex Stadium and um, the tight ground. Didn't you beat Newcastle a few years ago as well? Yeah, yeah. Newcastle. Yeah, and they've beaten Reading. So they've had they've had some really good good cup upsets, really. So uh, it's it's you know you you just don't know, do you? In the cup, you know, it's a one off game. They lost two one after extra time to Everton, and Everton had a strong side that day as well. So uh, fingers crossed, you know, they can pull off a, pull off an upset. I want to talk a little bit now about the uh, the manager Graham Wesley. Uh, he does have something of a reputation, but at Stevenage, you know that reputation is very good because they enjoyed great success under him the first time before he left to chance his hand at a bigger club with Preston. But he's come back for a, another spell in charge, and it isn't going as well as it was when he left the club before when they were in the playoffs. I mean, has anything changed since Wesley's come back? Or what, what, what's kind of the the atmosphere and the mood with Wesley now in his uh, in this spell? I think he's very well respected by the players. You know, they, they, they've, they, there's a bond there, and I think that um, he's going to, you know, he's, he's sort of built in a, a completely new team. I think he'll be, I'll be, you know, he gets on so well with the chairman. I'll be amazed if, you know, I know they're down there, and, and you know, people might tip him to be to be sacked if they went on a losing run. But I just couldn't see it happening because he's, you know, at the end of the day, Stevenage are uh, punching above their weight, really. They're, they're doing fantastically well, and and if they can hang on to some of these players put a little run together like they did earlier in the season and hopefully they can avoid the relegation spots. Do you think Wesley's reputation is fair? Because he does have a lot of critics out there. I mean, we've we've had a, you know, a go at him as much as anyone else has on, on this show, in fairness. And, uh, and he has come out fighting a lot of the time and you know he said he thinks that he gets harsh treatment from referees and that his team get too much stick and didn't get enough credit when they were doing well before but to, to give Graham Wesley some credit he, he's certainly an original sort of character and he's not he's not afraid to say what he thinks and he's got some very interesting ideas about the game definitely yeah I know I've found it very interesting to deal with you know we we, we sort of he comes comes out with some great stuff for me so uh, 
it's um, it's just a case <laughs> of he doesn't fall, suffer fools gladly, you know. So you have to you have to really think. It's, it's I, I think I'll go in there and I, I need to know what I'm talking about and be be prepared with my questions because uh, he'll he, he want to catch me out. But you know. It's, it's, it's all a bit of a uh, bit of chess, really. So uh, you're never short of a bit of copy with him around, are you? There's quotes not, flying no. around all over the place. Um, let's take a look then at the uh, the situation. Stevenage have played 23 games in League One, and uh, that's obviously half the season. 19 points isn't a great return. No, five points off safety already. Do you think that they can stay up? Uh, it's going to be tough, but um, I think it's a case of keeping hold of their their key players and I think this bad run they'd gone on recently coincided with uh, Peter Hartley a very experienced defender signed in the summer um, he, he'd been he'd missed the last four games he came back Saturday he scored and obviously the defence looked a lot tighter so I think it's just a case of it's not just the Zocos it's the people like the Hartleys of this world and, and keeping key players fit and he, and and uh, and then hopefully you know we'll have to see but hopefully they can put if they put a run together like they did earlier in the season then they can uh, they can go on from there. Well, it's it's quite an important month just looking at the fixtures because you've got Oldham away on Saturday. Obviously, team down yeah, there, not far from you. Uh, then you play Swin, and then after that, Notts County are obviously down there. And mm. you've got the Everton game, and then you've got Crew who are right down there. So you've got three games there against sides uh, in and around Stevenage. That's it. Yeah, but it's funny really because with Graham Wesley, he'll say that he he won't call them six pointers. He you know he'll want to go into. The games against you want to win the games against Dorian and and hmm. Swindon and, and the Rotherhams, you know, when when they play them. So he doesn't see it like that. He just wants to win every single game. So uh, you know, he, he won't get bogged down in terms of oh, this this game against Crew. This is got we've got to win this one. You know, he's just not that sort of person really. But um, but they've certainly got a battle ahead. Yeah. Well, good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks very much for coming on. Nice no to speak to you. you. Cheers. That's Alan Scott, who is a sports reporter at the Stevenage Advertiser and the Hertfordshire Mercury. Right now, it's time for that part of the show uh, where we uh, we do my club to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Football League. We give Football League fans 125 seconds to tell us all about their club. And today, the focus is on one of Stevenage's opponents soon this weekend. In fact, Oldham Athletic. This is We Are Going Up. My club in 125 seconds. Hello, I'm Joshua Balker and my club is Oldham Athletic. So, Joshua, can you remember your first ever trip to Boundary Park? Yeah, 2002, we beat Mansfield 6-1, and it's been downhill ever since, really. From that high, then, what's the uh, the worst moment you've had as, a, as an Oldham fan? Uh, last couple of years, we got to the semis and northern final of the JPT and losing to Chesterfield. I mean, we've not really done anything in the league for years, so... A trip to Wembley would be nice, but I was going to I was going to say because Oldham have been in the same division for a hell of a long time, so you've not really had too many ups and downs since two thousand and two, really. No, we've had a couple of playoffs, a couple of skirts of relegation, but mainly mid-table. Uh, you gave it a really good shot last year in the FA Cup. Didn't quite manage to do the same this year, but you did get to go to Anfield. Were you there yesterday? Yeah, yeah, it was a good day out. Unlucky, I mean, they played all the big boys, so. He- be a tough one to win not as good as last year but still and what about your favourite Oldham Athletic goal ever Josh on Survival Sunday when we got taken over by our current chairman we were on the brink of going out of business our left back Adam Griffin scored an over it as a kick and it was <laughs> glorious fantastic <laughs> who was that against Grimsby you've got the youngest manager in the football league by uh, quite some time but who is your, your favourite Oldham manager of all time Um, tough one I don't think I've had a good one in a while <laughs> Uh, Lee's doing a good job I suppose he's playing good football which we've not seen for a few years it's been a bit especially with Smith last year up front it was a, bit, a lot of lumping it to him but he's keeping it on the deck keeping it on the deck and trying to play it this year so you got to appreciate that it's got to be big Joe Royal surely <laughs> uh, I wasn't around for him 
I've missed all the glory years. You missed the Premier League years? I missed all of that. I've seen League One and only League One. Oh, dear. And your, <laughs> your hopes for the, the rest of this season? Don't get relegated, mainly. Stockport are our neighbours, and we've seen what happens if you go down. It's a tough one to get back up, so going, going down to start the question. OK, Josh, your two minutes is up. Thank you very much. Cheers. My club in 125 seconds. We are going up. We've got the Football League covered. Right, we'll have another My Club on the show next week. But right now, it's time to talk a little bit more about what took place in the Football League and in the FA Cup third round over the last few days. Let's start at Roots Hall on Saturday. It was the game that had everything. Goals, a red card, the weather was dreadful, the floodlights were going out. And at the end of it all, uh, Southend 4, Millwall 1. Phil Brown is going to get his match against Hull in the next round of the FA Cup in round four. But Millwall have, um, have got a new manager, Ian Holloway. Yeah. has been appointed I'm quite surprised about that actually I didn't think that he would go for them uh, and if I was a Millwall fan I, I suppose I'd be quite Excited. pleased with it yeah, yeah. I, you certainly yeah. would think that they've got a much better chance of staying up now than they had uh, under under Steve Lomas um, however I don't think it's all immediately you know guaranteed to, to go to go swimmingly for Holloway for all of his promotions he, you know he got Palace up and he's took Blackpool into the Premier League once and nearly twice you know, he's also taken a team down, as Jim will know well, uh, with Leicester taking the team out of the championship. And uh, he took over Palace when they were top of the league and flying and, you know, just got into the playoffs in the end. And they, you know, they, yeah, fair enough, they won the playoffs. But I really, I think it was basically down to them having the outstanding player in the division last year. And that was Wilfred Zaha, uh, rather than any sort of fantastic tactical genius or, or anything that Holloway did. So... I'd be interested to see how it goes. Yeah, they're a tough set of fans to please, aren't they? And I think it, there were some quotes uh, going around today from his last trip to Millwall and he said he'd barely stepped foot out the car and he was already being booed and held abuse at by the, the Millwall faithful. So it's going to be interesting to see how they react to that. Yeah, I'd go along with what DC says. I think that the calibre of manager they were probably expecting to get in, maybe Ian Holloway's a little bit above that standard, but maybe he does feel like he's got a point to prove. If um, he does get booed and uh, fans turn on his first day it won't be the first time it's happened this season there will it so I don't, I don't think they will though to be honest with you I mean I know Crystal Palace are a big rivals of, of Millwall just just as West Ham are but I think he's he's not quite you know as synonymous with no. Palace as Lomas was with, with West Ham he's been around his character as well I think he'll he will he's the, I would expect he's the sort of man that will that will you know self-deprecatingly Acknowledge mm. his past with yeah. Palace in, the, mm. in his first press conference. He'll probably make a joke out of it, and he'll try and get the fans on side. He, he is somebody, you know, who who will look to give the whole place a lift, won't they? Because that's what they need at the Definitely. moment. They're, they're right down and out, and they need something to come in and breathe a bit of life into it. Quick, uh, quick word of uh, sort of praise for Phil Brown as well. Doing a great job there. Yeah. Your tip to be relegated. Yeah, yeah. You keep reminding <laughs> me, but you know, uh, fair, fair. One defeat in ten league games now, and four-one victory against a team and two divisions above them. That's a hell of an achievement because you know they do have a very small squad down there, very small budget uh, down at, at Roots Hall, and a fantastic victory in the FA Cup, and you know what a, a great tie against Hull. Another one. Uh, from the weekend to talk about was uh, Aston Villa 1 Sheffield United 2 let's not bother talking about Paul Lambert and all that kind of thing that's been done to death by everyone else from a Sheffield United perspective though Nigel Clough gone in there obviously being sacked by Derby he took his time at first to get a few results but they're starting to pick up the odd win now and to go to Villa Park and and, and Villa for all that talk only made about three or four changes absolutely it's more more of an achievement for Sheffield United than than many people think really because all the talk before the game was how Villa were going to give up he was going to play the load of kids he you know, 
he could could do without the FA Cup and all that. But he played a, a very very strong side. You know, Ben Teke was was up front, one of the most sought after strikers in Europe at one point this summer, and he had a hatful of chances and and couldn't take them. George Long made a number of good saves. And it's a fantastic victory. It was a, a great goal from from Ryan Flynn, who to was a it, man yeah. of the match. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, elsewhere, um, speaking of uh, teams from uh, the Football League toppling Premier League opposition, uh, Jim, um, I'll come to you as the lesser fan on this. Yep. Nottingham Forest 5, West Ham United nil, and a uh, hat-trick by 22-year-old Jamie Patterson. Who'd never scored a goal for Forest before either. So um, in to, contrast, get, to get three against West Ham is In contrast great. to Villa, though, West Ham did make quite a few changes for yeah, this game. Yeah, they did. They put um, they, they made quite a few changes, didn't they? And they put a lot of the, the, the untested, untried, uh, under-21 team. I mean, the, the commentator on, on ITV that I was watching the coverage for did highlight the fact that they were top of the under-21 league or their respective division so maybe kind of high hopes for those players uh, I think it was uh, Moncur's son was in there wasn't he yeah, uh, George, George, George Moncur, George Moncur yeah. and they just didn't they just weren't up to it and the, I think the most telling thing about the, the squad as a whole was the fact that it, on his bench he didn't have any kind of experience to call on so when he wanted to shake things up second half it was just throwing more kind of under-21s into the game and it just but seemed to from a Forest perspective problem. great performance I mean they've been going great guns in the league for a little while now and that they've always had that performance in them considering they haven't got a kind of that's not strike starting with a recognised striker as well at the moment Greg Halford's doing a job up top and he's normally <laughs> well, a left back correct um, me if I'm wrong on this wasn't the whole point of him playing Halford up front to sort of say to the ball yeah. come on I need money for a striker yeah, and, and Halford's, Halford's having a blinder and they're like well hang on a minute yeah, <laughs> you don't need the money no exactly and he's, he's doing really well he's just so dominant in the air and he had a couple of good chances as well against West Ham and I, I think he'd be disappointed not to score with one of them yeah but. Well, I, I did wonder watching the game at the, that exact point you know he's been uh, up to his old tricks again saying we need more we need more players in we need a striker and, and I absolutely agree with him I said that right back at the start of the season when I saw them play against Watford they need a, a, a real decent striker just to complete the the picture there but then Halford's come in and has been playing up front recently he can play anywhere but he's been doing okay up front and Patterson who hasn't scored this season scores a hat-trick on TV and everyone's <laughs> wowing about him so are the, are the money men there as far as Al Azali going to look at that and think well you've got, you've got two guys there that are not doing too bad but I, regardless of that I, I do think they need a, a striker and, and it will only complement them because they're playing really well the midfield's excellent and they're playing with you know great confidence at the moment and you know West Ham did play a lot of kids and I think actually Sam Allardyce was unfair on a lot of those kids sort of dumping them in and, and then kind of digging him out a little bit after the game. Um, but they did have some experienced players there. You know, Stuart Downing, Matt Jarvis yep. was playing. Uh, Morrison. Yeah, Morrison's got experience Diara in the Premier League. Well. Yeah, Diara, exactly. Uh, you know, Maiga was up front. So I, I it wasn't think, a completely yeah, changed you know, squad. I mean, it's not right off for achievement in winning that game. They, yeah. they didn't just beat West Ham, they absolutely battered them and they were superb. Blackburn won, Manchester City won. Great performance by Blackburn to take that to a replay. Coventry won 2 1 at Barnsley. Leon Clark with a late goal. They've got Arsenal away in round four. Kaching. Yep. Uh, Macclesfield um, have taken Sheffield Wednesday to a replay, although they looked like they were going to win that game and took off their two strikers to get a replay which just kind of says what it all you know yeah. what, what it's like down there in uh, in non-league in terms of the finances Grimsby 2-1 up against Huddersfield with two minutes to go and somehow managed to lose 3-2 and we've got to talk it was about an own goal as well it was yeah mm. we've got to talk about Kidderminster as well 0-0 draw against Peterborough they've got a replay but that game did feature I mean overtaking the uh, the Morecambe-Cheltenham goalmouth scramble Fantastic. the best goalmouth scramble of the season hit the bar three times didn't it and in about there, 10 there was, seconds there was some question about whether it actually did go over the yeah, line yeah, as well. along header when they, they were questioning they've definitely not got well. Hawkeye at, uh, at Agbra, I no, can tell you that. No. Um, elsewhere, then, uh, let's talk about your trip to Stoke. That's next on the running order, Jim. Tell us about it. It's Stoke 2, Leicester 1. Yeah, it was quiet, 
we made a lot of changes. Um, it typically windy. I, That's exactly I, I, what no, I said I to him earlier. I, I, where's this thing come from with Stoke? Is it, well, everyone it, I know has ever windy. been to the Britannia, even in even in the, on a summer's day, they it's say it's cold kind of and elevated, windy. but it's not kind of. I didn't feel myself being blown around like outside the ground. Maybe <laughs> I just went on an uncharacteristically low windy day. But uh, no, I mean we did exactly what we've been doing in the Capital One Cup up until this point and making five or six changes so we rested the likes of David Nugent Lloyd Dyer Casper um, Schmeichel did start in goal but then our sense about partnership was completely changed from uh, what it would normally be I think we gave a relatively good account of ourselves second half and I'm disappointed a little bit that we didn't start with a stronger team but we have got Derby on Friday night as well so we kind of did have to make a few changes to, with that in mind we took 4,000 4,500 fans so mm. it, was a, it was a lively atmosphere in the away end it was a good day out I enjoyed it I've not been to Stoke for a long long time to watch a game well maybe you'll be going back there next yeah, season. maybe so. Where are things maybe are going. So. Um, Burnley, 4-3. Cracker, that was. The way at Southampton, they went down there. Oldham, as we mentioned to Josh earlier on, my club out at Anfield. Uh, Derby, we touched on that at the top of the show. We touched on Patrick Bamford going to Derby yeah, at the top of the show. that's a great signing. Uh, lost 2-0 at uh, home to Chelsea, but they didn't disgrace themselves by any means. No. no. Um, they've, um, they've got Michael Keane there as well at Derby at centre-back, who was with us um, last year, and he's a, he's a fantastic signing. Steve McLaren's done a great job in getting in um, a lot of kind of inexperienced but still high quality loan players and I think well, it's working that market it really be, well it um, will be interesting to see whether Bamford can continue you know this is a step up now he's scored yeah. goals for fun in, in League One but you know the standard will go up in the Championship and obviously you know a very very highly rated young man on you know Chelsea bought him from Nottingham Forest for a fair bit of money when he was a you know a, very, a young teenager so We'll see whether he's got what it takes. Speaking of the championship, a couple more stories uh, to mention on the show this week. We might actually go into these in more depth perhaps in a future week, but Charlton have been taken over. Okay. Who's going who's to pronounce this guy's name? Uh, Roland Duchatelet. Yeah, I'll give you that. Okay, it's taken over. Um, i endeavour to find the correct pronunciation. Belgian businessman, I think, yeah. involved in Standard Liège, Standard Liège I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think they've already signed a player from Standard Liège. Yeah, so I think you said 100%, didn't you? That you yeah, they've bought 100% of the shares, so there's no kind of other ownership going on. They've completely bought mm. the, the holding company that he owns has, has bought 100%. Well, that's got to be good news, well, you think, Powell, for You would think so. Was being quoted as saying he's, you know, he's unsure about his future in terms of what will happen when the takeover comes before it happens so now it comes and we will, we'll see whether he gets back so I think it would be ridiculous to get rid of Chris Powell but um, we have to wait and see and uh, talk to me about Bolton then Jim this is uh, <laughs> Bolton. ludicrous they've announced this yeah. week they're £163.8 million in debt after their parent company Burned and Leisure PLC released its uh, figures for uh, the year ending June 2013 it's a so they made a, was it £50 million? Uh, uh, lost a, a this 50, year yeah. I think it was £53 £54 million pound loss wasn't it this this year it's just a staggeringly large amount of money for a team that yes I know they suffered relegation and yet they brought a big wage bill down I think what was one that was one of the main reasons why we, we fancied them to go back up because yeah. they had retained a lot of the better in, in inverted commas better players who obviously come with big contracts and maybe they weren't expecting relegation whereas a lot of teams who go up and were expecting a, a fight or, or are already up there sign players with like a um, a wage clause which says they're reduced by 25% or 30% if should they get relegated unless they move on well they're, they're in the Premier League for such a long time yes that's the thing. they stabilise in there and they they were in that. Europe you remember exactly. yes. you know they cup finals and they, they probably wanted to, to, to take that step up and try and cement themselves but they had that terrible season under own call and went down but uh, of of the of the 160 million odd debt they've got 151.3 million of it is owed to the owner Eddie Davis so and that's the, that's obviously the large bulk of it and, and that is a can a, he afford it 
Well, yeah. You, you <laughs> hey, did you mind writing up? Right <laughs> Just write up. That's what Leicester owners have done, actually. Forget about it. But, you know, he he said that he's not going to go anywhere. He's not necessarily going to be able no. to put much more money in uh, because of the financial fair play regulations that are coming in. Now there's penalties that will be given to clubs if they have a certain, you know, if they don't have their houses in order and Bolton are very much in danger of violating those rules. Well, just on that, just before you go any further, I, I saw a stat um, the other day, courtesy of Ian Pryor on Twitter, their debt to income ratio is 572%. Yeah, I mean, it's so completely yeah, and utterly unsustainable. They need to do something. Water, they, isn't it? They've said they've got a plan, you know, a five-year plan to ensure finances uh, return to, uh, you know, to a more stable condition and, and it's not dependent on rejoining the Premier League. But, you know, there's obviously big pressure on them there. You know, they getting up to the Premier League was obviously going to help them. So is that they're either going to need to get promoted, they're either going to need to find new investment, or they're going to need to add, you know, completely and utterly asset strip the whole thing, you know, strip the wage bill right down to its bare minimum and start again. And none of those things are, are easy things to do. Well, at least results are picking up a little bit on the pitch at the yeah. moment. They got through, didn't they, at the weekend. They play Cardiff at home in the next round. OK, let's go on to um, League One and League Two. There was a few games over the weekend. I think just the one in League One, which was uh, Gillingham won Wolves nil on Friday night, which you might have watched on Sky. Cody McDonald, he won me another bet there. I didn't um, first goal. I'm going to bet two quid or something. Drinks are on you, mate. Yeah, last, last minute winner. And Wolves are on a little bit of a wobble at the moment, um, yeah. which is will be quite worrying. There's a story about Wayne Hennessy refusing to play in goal yeah, for them. Yeah, because he's potentially going to Crystal Palace is that right amid, so. amid some interest and he apparently declared himself not mentally right to play um, on the on the you know the eve of the game well they've only got one win in their last seven games in all yeah. competitions they and Peterborough as well like two yeah. really kind of big price short price favourites to go up at the start uh, of the season really, we were really banging on about yeah. Orient, uh, Orient Wolves and Peterborough yeah. and there's teams like Brentford which are sort of pulling clear now really yeah definitely I wouldn't be too concerned if I was a Wolves fan I had, did see some people retweeting Wolves fans who were really complaining about Jacket saying he was too defensive and stuff but I really really wouldn't look a gift horse in their mouth you know you've you've got a good thing on your hands there. he'll do a good job he's doing a good job you've had a few draws lately which have been disappointing but it's not like they're losing loads of games I know they're interested in signing Naki Wells along with a number of other clubs but I believe they're interested in signing him uh, so if they were to pull off a signing like that that'd be fantastic that'd a, be real, a real for boost for them huge. so I'm sure you know they will have some some ability to strengthen the squad in January and you know they're right they're only three points behind Brentford no do, you, um, panic. do you know what else that game was notable for it was uh, Adebayo Akinfenwa up against George Ellicobi. Yeah, I saw the pictures of that. <laughs> Fantastic. Outstanding. Immovable object is. against the unstoppable force. <clears throat> I don't know which one's which. But. Something like that, yeah. Okay, Two immovable objects against each <laughs> other. Let's finish by talking about another managerial change. It's kind of inevitable, but Alan Neil was sacked as Torquay manager in the last seven days. And they've announced that their former captain, Chris Hargreaves, is going to take over. He's 41 years old. It's his first managerial job, having left his role at Bournemouth, where he was first team coach. Now, if you're a new listener, you might not have heard this. If you're a regular listener, you probably will have heard this, but it was a while ago. It was about seven or eight weeks ago. We spoke to Jim Proudfoot, a match day commentator for Absolute Radio. And of course, he's a big Torquay fan. And uh, when we had him on, we asked him about the prospect of Chris Hargreaves taking over from Alan Neil. And this is what he said. If you're looking at it from, from, the, from a realistic perspective of the owners, they've got an experienced manager. It's not working, but he's, he, but he's had a... Um, a, a managerial career, probably where his fourth league club, I would think. Now, Chris Hargreaves has been coaching the junior teams at Bournemouth. If they sacked Alan Nill and brought Chris Hargreaves in, and again, he's, he's someone else that I think is fantastic, but he's got no managerial experience. So if you brought him in now and it all went wrong or it didn't instantly all go right, that is a massive decision and it looks like a horrendous mistake. That It would just be a massive gamble bringing Greaves back to the club now. I think any managerial appointment is a gamble. Uh, I under completely understand 
where Jim's coming from. You, you don't want uh, a man who's had such a great reputation and great history with the club to kind of taint his legacy. Uh, and uh, you know, real high, high profile example would be someone like Alan Shearer at Newcastle. Yeah, well, the stakes example. are so high as well with league status uh, on the line. But you know, they've been down in the doldrums. It hasn't worked for them under Alan Neil. Perhaps they've given him a bit more time than many people thought they would, and he still hasn't been able to get those results. So. Hargreaves, you'd think in the short term initially will we'll give the fans a lift, you know, it'll be optimism, will return to the place. We're going to find out whether or not he's got what it takes as a manager to get them out of trouble. I and mean, it is about as difficult a job as you can hope to have for your, your first job in management. But he does know the place and he'll be up for it. And, you know, he will he'll, we'll have that magic word that, that fans always look to in times of trouble and he will have passion and he will be bang up for it. And let's hope that he's got not just the passion, but the actual real ability as a coach, which I'm, you know, I'm sure he does after working with... Uh, uh, with Eddie Howe at Bournemouth to come in and make a real difference. Down at the bottom of League Two then, I'm just looking at the table after uh, New Year's Day, there was uh, another win for Mansfield, I think there's two wins in three, successive wins for York, um, AFC Wimbledon won away at Wickham, uh, you've also got um, Torquay, you've got a point, Northampton won, so it's all really tightening up. Portsmouth are only three points clear of relegation, surely not. Surely not a fourth, what is it, a third or fourth successive relegation? Yeah, that'd be pretty gutting, wouldn't it? Especially after all the turbulent times they've been through uh, in the summer with the kind of going towards the fan ownership route. But at the end of the day, as you said, you know, it is getting pretty tight down there and you've got to start to be worried, I think, if you're... It would I would just take, take the complete and out of wind out of the place, wouldn't it? I mean, after you thought they bottomed out and they'd reached their lowest ebb and, you know, they were going to start a resurgence with the supporters' trust finally taking control of the club. The, the club was back in the hands of the people that care, and that's the fans. And it would be such a kick in the teeth for them if they were to go down after working so hard to get themselves into that position. OK, well, I think that's it. I think that completes episode 111 of this show. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you want to have a go and have a little nosy at the website, the blogs are there. We are going up.co.uk. Uh, you can get to iTunes as well. And please rate and review and subscribe and everything else you can do on there. Uh, search for us on iTunes or follow the link from the website. Uh, take advantage of the Audible offer, as I mentioned. And if you want to get us on Twitter, it is at Wagyu Podcast. Right, that is pretty much it. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Mark. And thank you, DC. What games have we got? Anything exciting to look forward to this week? Um, Leicester Derby on Friday. Oh, is it? Oh, good. Watford at home to uh, to Reading on Saturday. So I'm hoping that Sanino can turn his solid start into to a really good start by by getting three points. Excellent. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much it for the first one back in 2014. We're easing in. Uh, we'll speak to you in about seven days' time. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the football league covered. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.